Hello, stoners. It appears I've been watching a lot of Love Island, the UK edition. Can't stop doing the bloody accent. It's fucking annoying, isn't it? <laughs> Fine, I'll stop. It's so addictive. I can't. I love it so much. I wish I had an accent. That's where I'm at. Um, I love you all. I'm happy to be here. We have a great, great show today. I am chatting with my friend Mary Carrion, who is a beast. Seriously, she mans the fort. What what is what are these terms that we use to describe things? But she basically does a little bit of everything over at Mary Jane. For those of you who aren't familiar, Mary Jane is basically like Snoop Dogg's like media outlet. She's an editor over there. She also writes for other magazines like Double Blind Magazine, uh, which is a women-led magazine uh, based out of Los Angeles. They focus on psychedelics, which Mary knows a lot about. Mary does a lot of writing about cannabis, but she has ventured out into the cacti world and it's been really fun learning through her and what she's gathered in her research about this other sacred plant. So we definitely talk a lot about that. We talk about her upbringing in the OC. We talk about everything. Uh, I'm going to go get some water because I feel my cotton mouth coming. You guys, I love you. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy, Mary, and keep getting high, my babies. This episode is brought to you by X-Tabs by Kikoko. Want to get high without smoking? Check out Kikoko's new high-dose X-Tabs, swallowable tablets dosed at 30 and 50 milligrams THC. These indica X-Tabs are for the experienced connoisseur. They're awesome for cerebral voyaging, the ultimate chill-out, obliterating pain, and deep sleep. The tabs also contain terpenes for that full-spectrum indica expectation. Check out Kikoko.com for X-Tab delivery using code BUDTENDER15 or to find at select dispensaries throughout California. I told myself I could smoke this blunt. Jane is also a shit show. <laughs> Don't be fooled. <laughs> Don't ever be fooled. Well, I'm relieved to hear that because we're still figuring it out and I'm in a crop top right now about to interview you and you're a serious journalist. So thank you so much for coming out first and foremost. Um, what did we smoke? We smoked Rain R E I G N. Oh, yes. Oh, you have? have. Yes. So we smoked um, some Ball Family Farms rain, which we're both pretty stoned, so this should be fun. Yeah, Chris, the I think he's their grower there, and he is a master at genetics. 
Yeah, he's great. He really cares about genetics, and that's important. A lot of people, I don't, I mean, actually, I don't know, a, a lot of growers do, but I feel like there are companies who are a little more detached from the growing process and stuff and just their relationship to the plant. Everyone's is different, but there are some people who are super into it and they're super into it. Ball Family Farms. Love that. Honestly, like makes me even happier to support them. No, oh, also, Seriously. Also, they are one of the only black owned companies, which is really awesome and exciting. I think they're like one of the few... Uh, well, there are tons of social equity licenses already in the city right now in LA. But um, yeah, they're one of the only like frontward facing, like African American, mm. like owned and operated and growing. Like you just don't really hear about that too much. You don't. And when I went to Calma yesterday for 420, because I wanted to pick up goodies, obviously, they said that they were selling out of them. Uh, Like they were like, everybody was coming in being like, yes, I want to support a black owned cannabis business. Like people. Yeah, I know. Right. I was like, that's so awesome. So people came in like shopping consciously this 420, at least um, at least over in West Hollywood, which was pretty dope to hear. That is so exciting and heartwarming to hear because uh, I don't know, just all the news lately and just how everything is so wild and gnarly in the world. I feel like Hearing news like that is unique. I think sometimes things are so different. I'm like, no one's shopping consciously. <laughs> Everyone's dumb. Well, you know what? I also think it says a lot about the the shop for carrying them and then the bud tenders for also guiding patients. And and it's cool to hear that people were receptive. And the flowers fire. I feel great. We also have a little vino going on, which is yes. very nice. Yeah. So I'm, I want to know about the first time you smoked weed. What was that experience like? I just want you to know that you're the first person really to ever ask me what? that question. <laughs> well, like in an interview setting. So I'm very excited to tell this story. And I've been thinking about telling this story for a long time because the people who were there, I, I freaked out. I had a terrible time. I got like super paranoid and was like, fuck, I'm dying after having a really crazy pant, like, uh, like a very like intense laughing attack too. So I went from like laughing hysterically to fucking freaking out (laughs) it was like so intense and I like ruined a whole experience for everybody that was me and like uh, I'll go into the details in a second but I've been thinking about like if they ever heard this and then they like heard me retell this story I don't even know like you know that experience it was so intense and like now here I am like I'm like yeah I smoke weed all the time like (laughs) it's just ridiculous um okay so the first time I got high was it was after a school dance and I was with a a bunch of girls and we went back to this girl's house and uh then we snuck out to meet her much older boyfriend and that's like how we were going to smoke weed and that was like the plan and um i we were sitting i think in the back of his jeep he had like you know an old school jeep with like the large trunk Mm. and it was a big red jeep and we were sitting back there and we had a bong but no water in the bong. Oh my god. <laughs> and we hit the bong. And I took just like one dry bong hit. <laughs> and I got so high. Just like so insanely high. I was laughing so hard, like pretty much instantly. And that it felt like my eyelids were like flipping inside out because I was laughing so hard and squinting so hard and like crying and like not able to breathe. And I was like, are my eyelids like inside out right now? Like what is happening? <laughs> Lost my phone for a second. 
found it yeah. <laughs> like one of those old school flip phones oh, no. and uh this other girl I was with was trying to like make a phone call like outside of the car and I re- remember like walking to her and I looked over like in the distance we we're like in some random neighborhood in Orange County like in Lake Forest I don't even know and I look over in the distance and I think I see a dog jump and turn into a mailbox Ooh. or like something <laughs> like that and I like in the distance like really small and I'm like like who even fucking knows <laughs> like who I don't even know if that happened or well I don't know oh, I got man. so high it was a weird experience <laughs> and then I freaked out and then was like really freaking out <laughs> And felt very paranoid, and then we got back to her house, we snuck back in, and we ate a bunch of Oreos, and then I remember this girl that we were with, she, like, was wearing clip-in extensions, and she took them out and, like, put them, like, on the table, and I remember I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Your hair! (laughs) Your hair! (laughs) I was, like, totally freaking out about that. Like, inside. Yeah. That one was, like, an inside freak out. I already Uh had my, like demonstrative freak out (laughs) earlier that evening (laughs) yeah and then the second time also got very high hit a bong with water this time it was a very large bong oh my god and i just lost my mind and then so yeah those are my first two experiences with weed (laughs) fuck it's funny that you're even here today doing what you're doing honestly it's ironic it's ironic (laughs) as fuck but i feel like that's kind of my life my life is for sure like like things that i once hated i'm now definitely doing like i feel that way with mushrooms too i had several intense moments with mushrooms too where i also really freaked out you know in the beginning yeah too much too much too soon in like very public places i maybe i'm just an overly cautious person but I I, I like to it. ease yeah I just like to ease my way into drugs like I've done too much of That's things and yeah microdosing is like my new best friend but wow scandalous so you snuck off you smoked weed you had a freak out <laughs> yeah very like grease lightning of you honestly <laughs> um, <laughs> it is yeah so, great. so what brought you back to the plant? Like, how did we get here where now you're consuming daily? I never gave up on weed because it was always around. My friends had it and people were regularly smoking it. And like, I just, I, it was interesting because I would take one hit and get very high, which I also still take a hit and I still get high. Like I'm, I don't know. I'm just that person. Ball Family Farms weed makes me ripped, so ripped from one hit of weed. I'm like, what is happening? (laughs) But yeah, so um, I guess the short answer to that is that I never gave up on weed and I would do it very sparingly every now and then if I was with my friends and they were hotboxing, I would like get medium high from the hotbox, which was like a micro dose. And I enjoyed that, (laughs) which just sounds so stupid. (laughs) It sounds hilarious now. Like looking back on the ways that I got into cannabis was bizarre, honestly. But um, yeah, I never gave up and I actually learned to love it, especially when I started playing soccer or like I've always, I played soccer my whole like life until I was 21 pretty much and um I I quit playing for a while when I was a teenager and that's when I started smoking weed Mm -hmm. or that was like my first experiences with weed and I I didn't like it and then getting back into playing soccer again I was already kind of smoking weed semi-regularly and I realized that when I smoked and I played it was way better there was like less pain or something there was like less yeah less pain 
more flow. And that's what that really propelled me into daily smoking, pretty much. Well, I feel like we hear that all the time from athletes, especially who do consume cannabis openly. They're like, it just does wonders for my body, for recovery, for their muscles. I'm sure it also makes it more fun, the game itself, probably. Like when I was playing soccer high, not too high, you know, just like like a little bit, a tiny, tiny bit. It felt like I was playing FIFA. Like I felt like I was in a fucking video game playing in college. Like I was in a college game, but it was so intense and, but it was, it was like, so not even the, I was in such flow state, I guess that Mm. it felt like it was being like manufactured in front of me almost Mm. because I got that intimate with the game. If that makes sense, like on like a poetic level. And would be able to anticipate, like, my anticipation and my intuition while playing was so heightened. I, like, would understand where the ball's kind of going because of where everybody else is on the field. And, like, it became kind of a situation like that where, um, like, the zen state was so profound because of cannabis. That's so interesting. Because it is, like, you get into the flow. Well... What I can think back, and this will probably not sound as poetic or beautiful, but the first few times you're a teenager and you smoke and you drive and it's and everything's a video game. But yeah, there's something about being so present in the moment. You are just in this Zen state. And and that definitely happens with the writing uh, as well. So I would love to learn about your relationship with writing or journalist. We're going to dissect some like particular okay. things you've okay. done for sure. Cause cool. you get to, you write about a lot of cool shit. So thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. I learned so much every time. How did you get into journalism? I interned at OC Weekly uh, mm. when I was at Irvine Valley College. Uh, that's the junior college there. I was definitely a fuck off in high school. <laughs> like I fucked off in high school so hard. I almost like, I don't even know. I just like <laughs> almost didn't graduate for a second. was like always in trouble. I went to a, a private Catholic school, like very Catholic school. It's not that hard to get in trouble there. And I was always in trouble there. Oh, yeah. Journalism. Yeah. So I almost didn't go to school. I barely got into like junior college. Just kidding. Just kidding. But like it took me a lot to even apply to junior college, which is, I guess, what I mean by that. Like it just I did not want to go at all. I was so over it. But I went and um, I had a Chicano literature teacher. Yeah, I took Chicana Lit, which was the best, by the way. It taught me so much more about my culture from like such a different lens. Even though I am Mexican and I am Guatemalan, there's just so much that I don't know because my parents, I don't know, my family super assimilated when they got here, yeah. you know, and being American was the thing like it, there was no choice. Mm-hmm. And I know that they felt like they had no choice or my grandmother anyway. And yeah. so like my mom, who is first gen, Uh, she, you know, grew up not speaking Spanish because that was something that my grandmother chose not to teach her. So I don't speak Spanish as a result, but like technically I'm second gen here, which is crazy, but you know, I feel so disconnected from the culture. Anyways, learning about Chicano culture and Mexican culture through the lens of literature, which provides such a unique lens on history. And it, uh, I learned so much just from that. And my teacher was great. Her name was Lisa Alvarez. And she was the one who was like, okay, at OC, there's an internship happening at OC Weekly. And you would be interning, you would be like working with one of my favorite writers and an editor there. His name is Gustavo Ariano. 
And does anybody want to like sign up? Like he's looking for interns and nobody raised their hand except for me. And then I was like, oh, I don't even know. Now I'm scared. <laughs> like I thought maybe, oh, I don't know. But yeah, I was the only one that raised my hand. And um, then I just followed through with it. Talked to Gustavo on the phone. And then I ended up getting the gig. And then from there, that was my initial start. And that was in 2011. And then I, and then after that, I had the bug. I had the bug so hard. I didn't want to stop. I started going to like concerts for free and I started like, you know, writing about concerts and like interviewing people and meeting people and just people doing interesting things. Like no one even really that super special, right? Not not that no one's special, but no one like, you know, huge or super famous right away. Everyone was very special, but everyone was just doing very like cool things in Orange County. And at the time, all I knew of Orange County was everyone was so fucking lame and so (laughs) square and judgmental that like... I thought that that's how everybody was. And so many people are like that there, Um, especially in South Orange County. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, that's how I got into it through through lit class in college. Wow. Yeah. I feel like we put so much pressure on college and and kids and knowing your major and exactly what you're going to do with life, where realistically, it's like college should be where you just kind of feel shit out and just get to know yourself and experiment. That's great that you had the opportunity. What a cool fucking class to take. Oh my God. Being here in LA, it's like, it's hard not to be immersed in Mexican culture. And I'm so grateful for it. Like I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for all the food and all the colors. And like, yeah, it's, it's a vibe. Good. It's so rich. And so there's so many elements of it are so beautiful yeah i got high last night and started watching coco on 420 by myself um i didn't watch it all i fell asleep halfway through i cry every time honestly it's probably good that i fell asleep because i would have just cried myself to sleep it's so beautiful and i just yeah i cried i cried so much (laughs) cried so much and the tradition itself on Dia de los Muertos and having, you know, guiding your ancestors. It's like our ancestors do so much to guide us every day. We don't think about that. But like to have one day to be able to kind of dedicate it to them and give our offerings and things like that. It's cool that you got to connect more with your culture through literature. What kind of relationship would you say that you have with cannabis today? Mm-hmm. Gosh, it's one actually that recently I've been working on to make more conscious, make more conscious, like when I'm consuming, be more cognizant of kind of the magic that smoking or like putting it into your body and then releasing it. Gosh, it's that is such a powerful act. And I'm trying to be better at recognizing that and respecting that and also trying to utilize that as you know what I it's it's meant for you know like Mm -hmm. that kind of connection to it it's created an element of mindfulness for me especially lately um and I've needed that I've needed that extra kind of like medicated mindfulness Mm -hmm. you know I've needed that lately so bad but I've been smoking forever and I was never that conscious about it before you know, and I don't think any of us are. We're not taught that way. That's not what our society does. Like everything we do is so disrespectful. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hardcore. Like speaking of being hardcore disrespectful and speaking of these sacred plants, you recently wrote for Double Blind magazine 
an article on peyote. And if you guys want to look it up, actually, I can tell you it's Keepers of the Matrix, A Beginner's Guide to Understanding Sacred Cacti. You got me with the title. I'm intrigued. Peyotes, it's always been around. Still a very mysterious drug. What could you tell our listeners about this plant? What did you learn? Oh, little cute peyote. I don't even know. That's how I feel about it. I feel so bad, honestly. I feel so bad for the cactus itself. I feel so bad for the plant. And, like, I feel emotional about it right now. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, no. It's, there's, no, I don't know why I'm feeling emotional. It's because I'm stoned. Thanks, Ball Family Farms. <laughs> Thanks, Chris Ball. Yeah. You did it. <laughs> it's crazy because, like, lo- the little tiny cactus is one of the most racialized, politicized plants ever. Uh, the only other plant that is like that is cannabis. The only other plant that's as racialized and politicized and bullshitted, like that has so much baggage. The only other plant that's like that is cannabis for different reasons. Some, I guess some are the same, but like mostly different reasons. Um, and yeah, we're running out of it. Some of the earth is incapable of growing it at the capacity we need. Also, mostly because that it takes 20 years for a peyote cactus to grow sometimes to reach like its full full growth Mm -hmm. so it takes forever to grow so that's part of the issue Mm -hmm. and people are picking it and it's you know our climate change and Mm -hmm. other reasons that peyote is extremely endangered is because of like silver mining and poaching and a number of other reasons a number of other reasons so therefore there's not a lot of it and the Native American community want don't want us really to use it. Well, some of them don't want us to use it. And I think that the common thought is that it's very kind of binary, the way that I think most people look at it. They think that Native Americans don't want uh, non-Natives to use the plant. They don't want us to. And that's kind of how people look at it. And people get fucking pissed about it. White people get pissed about it. And uh, the Natives feel very protected and protective about it because they are like, my religion, peyote, and like my ability to have a religion around peyote was once taken from me for such a long time. I can't remember the years right now because I'm a little stoned, but a very long time, like so, so long from the 1800s, well, it, it, to like 1971, oh I think, God. like forever. And so they they weren't, and they were prosecuted and killed and like just complete, their communities were completely ravaged and destroyed. And for peyote and for being able to practice this, and there were activists for it all throughout history. And, it, you know, so they feel very protective of the plant. They think that this plant was here, you know, they believe that that plant is there for them to have. Like, that is their god. It's not even like it connects them to a god. It's like, that is their god. And so that is um, pretty much like, yeah, that's why the natives, our natives here are so protective of it. And they don't, they're like, these white people want to take it from us. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it's that same idea. And I am also speaking in very general terms, and I'm also not speaking for Native Americans in any way. I want that to be clear, but this is just from what I understand and just broken down. And um, so that's the general thing about it. But the United States government originally then eventually legalized or like legalized it for Natives specifically and said that they were the only ones allowed to have it because they have, you know, like a 
a special kind of blood. That was actually, that was a long time ago, like in maybe the 1800s. Like they were like, the natives can only like withstand this because they have certain blood. And so it was always kind of about bloodlines um, and a very already racialized thing then. And then, you know, in 1971 or you know, it became legalized for Native Americans to have. And then again, in 1991, I think that was when they made it only legal for people, for Natives who have, at, they have to have at least one third Native blood wow. to be able to receive it in like a religious ceremony or be a part of the Native American church and receive it that way. Okay. It's complicated. It's so complicated. Yeah. It's even complicated to talk about. And that's a part of the thing. Also, it's very complicated to talk about race. And peyote is talking about race. Like, it's one of the ways that you talk about race. It's There's no way that you talk about peyote, really, without talking about race. And you also, you're also talking about environmentalism. And you're also talking about politics. And so it's like, talking about peyote is very difficult. And it's such a complicated thing, as I've just been explaining to you. I feel like it's like it's, it's such a web, and there's so many crazy things that have happened in its history, and that's why, yeah. that's why right now, with all the decriminalization of natural plants or not, like, you know entheogenic plants, um, that is the reason why the Native American community is very upset with that movement, and they have made statements saying that they want peyote removed from from all regulation. From or it's not regulation yet, but from all of the decriminalization, you know, literature. Basically, they want it removed completely because yeah. no one was ever consulted on the native side as to like how this would look, what this would look like. What they want is if people want to use a cactus to have a psychedelic experience with to use San Pedro. Yeah, which yields um I think a similar experience to I to be honest, I'm not very familiar with it. I've tried San Pedro once and I didn't really feel anything, so I don't think I did it right. So <laughs> so, you know, uh I still have an entire like world to explore with that. But it feel it's relatively similar. They're different I hear, but it's relatively similar. You get almost the same experience. Yeah. So, well, I'm happy to speak for all white people and say, take peyote off the list. Yeah, we totally. don't need it. I know. We don't need it. Well, who is fighting this? I we know. have every other drug <laughs> available and we're and we're blatantly using it. We don't even get in trouble for it. Like, let them have it, especially if there's another cacti that yields a similar experience like sage. I know. I know. It also grows in like four or five years. It grows. I know. I know. And there's so much of it already out there that you could probably go find. Also, it peyote is very illegal for everybody who is not a native. Very illegal. Like you're going to be in trouble if you are caught with it. I'm not exactly sure how long people are going to go to jail for, but easily eight years, you know, which is comparable some in some ways to uh, cannabis. Yeah. I mean, cannabis is also outrageous. (laughs) Like, 50 years in prison. I don't know if it can be that bad for peyote. I mean, it might be. It really might be. I'm sure it's the same with cannabis where it's like, it depends where you get caught with it, yes, you know, and then, and of then course. we'll let the state decide. Fuck, what was I going to say? I know I'm definitely stoned off of this I know. <laughs> um, I know. flower. Whoa. Um, <laughs> it's great. I'm, I'm, Whoa. I'm very content. I'm also like learning so much. I'm wondering, so 
Hamilton Morris on his show. I remember the peyote episode. I remember the ceremony. I'm trying to remember if he actually did it or if he just observed in that episode. Because if he did, it's like, what a grand gesture like from the community to you, Hamilton, as a, sci- a scientist and a reporter. <laughs> I can't speak on it at we all. We need Hamilton to hit us up. Yeah, Hamilton. We have a question for you. Yeah. <laughs> we have a question for you. No, um, I don't know. But also, I, it's there are white people who still do peyote. There, mm-hmm. it's like it's not like something that people are not doing. There's a there are a lot of people who do it. And also, I learned from writing this story that it actually depends on who you ask in the community of whether or like how they feel about it. Because pe- some people don't care. Mm-hmm. Some people are like, no, like fuck, like no, fuck you, you know, which fine i totally understand yes but it depends on who you ask and a woman named don davis told me that and she is a native from idaho and she you know is very in touch with her community she is not even she peyote is her religion and that's you know so she is well versed in that space and that's what she said she was like has anybody ever asked like a a native how they actually feel about it she said that to my question, which was something along the lines of what is it at the center of why natives don't want white people to use peyote? And her response was like, are you sure that all of them don't want you to use peyote or like, you know, white people to use peyote? And it, she, her answer was very similar to that. Yeah, that was really enlightening to me. And then we kind of went into that whole conversation of the issue, the general issue is that no one's consulting natives and asking them how they feel. So, yeah, cacti. Very controversial. You did another article recently that I thought was um, really interesting, which was purchasing drugs online and like through social media. Who did you talk to? What were these conversations? No. What did you find? What were some of the things that you were like, holy shit, you got that? (laughs) Well... Oh my god, everybody's selling everything on the internet. Like, it's so crazy. It's like, I think a lot of people think that you have to go to the dark web for crazy shit, but you literally don't. You seriously don't have to go to the dark web. You just have to have access to fucking Instagram. <laughs> I'm serious. That's where all my drug transactions have gone down. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I only have, I've never had like a full on transaction, but I've definitely talked to a ton of drug dealers yes. on Instagram. A and bunch then, follow the show. Like, I'll, course. like, just jump of in and course. be like, oh, who is this? And I'm like, oh, hella pounds and, like, pills, guns. Yeah. Yeah. No, they have everything. Everything you want. Anything that you're looking for, you can find. And if it's not on Instagram, then it's on another social media site. <laughs> but hold on. The drugs that are on social media are not clean. It's just not clean at all. And you can't trust it. If you're gonna buy drugs off of social media, there is no question. There are no excuses. You also have to buy a dance safe drug kit and test your fucking drugs. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you very likely could die. And just don't even do that. If you're, I mean, if you're gonna buy drugs over, <laughs> over social media, at least just buy mushrooms. Like it's like really <laughs> hard to fuck mushrooms up. You yeah. know, like you're not gonna like, chemically alter it and and like have it be fentanyl. I mean, maybe, fuck, but, like, not really. Put it inside the gills of the mushrooms. Like, Like, mushrooms, I don't even know. Yeah, no one's doing fentanyl (laughs) mushrooms. (laughs) 
Like, I didn't even have to report hard for that portion of the story because I remember I was like, oh, I need to talk to some drug dealers <laughs> on on Instagram. And then, like, three hit me up that day. I was like, sweet. And I was like, hey, what's up? How's it going? And, like, was just like, hey, what do you got? Like, what's going on? Like, do you – it seems like you sell mushrooms. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, cool. Like, how do we do this? And they're like, we, like, hop over to, like – I don't even know. We hop over to Signal. Actually, I talked to pretty much everybody on Signal and WhatsApp. And then we continued our conversation there. And then, like, I wanted to ask them questions, you know? So I then was like, hey, so I'm actually a journalist. Don't freak out. I'm writing a story. I'm writing a story on buying drugs online. I just have questions for you. Like, is it lucrative for you? Like, I just have a couple questions. I was like, we don't have to use your name we don't have to use your age. Like I will make up a, like a handle for your name, you know? And like, like your identity is safe. I swear to fucking God. (laughs) And they were, most of them are chill. I mean, a couple of them were like, what the fuck? And I was like, sorry, I know (laughs) I'm a real person. If you want to talk on the phone, we can totally talk on the phone. (laughs) But, um, yeah, telling them that was very odd, you know, they're all doing it because there's it's like their way to market for their other like drug websites, like clear web drug websites. That's very common mm-hmm. and selling on like different apps. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. There's just like, you're able to, yeah, that's why they're doing it. They're doing it as almost like a marketing thing, um, which is interesting, wow. but they'll kind of like tell you what they have, which is f- cool, I guess. <laughs> and then, you know, you buy whatever one person had I was interested specifically because they had pictures of peyote on their page. You know how they have, you know how drug dealers have like a whole, like they have pictures of like pills and like acid, you know, they have the acids like tabs. Yeah. So (laughs) there was someone who had peyote and I was like, whoa, that's fuck. That's like fucking crazy. Like you're just slanging peyote. (laughs) Like, whoa, that's crazy. So I, I was like, Hey, how much is the peyote? How do you sell it? And they sent me, they, I, I pretended like I was going to buy it and I just wanted to see like the list and like how it broke down. And I don't know, it was really expensive. It was like 400 for an ounce or like 800, like four or 600 for an ounce or something like that. Whoa. Yeah, it was expensive. And then it, like, I don't know, the person said that they had access to a ton and they were like talking about pounds. And I'm like, that's like not real. I don't know. It just, it was also sketchy. Also, I, I wasn't going to buy it because it's complicated, obviously. Yeah. Very weird. I feel like that guy was full of shit. I know, I know. Pounds? I know. No. <laughs> of course you ship across the country. Dude, the fucking internet is wild. It's it so really crazy. Also, after or something that I turned, either my that my story came out or that I like turned it into my editors, uh, I learned that this celebrity's son bought Xanax off of Snapchat and it was fentanyl and he died. <gasps> That fucking week that either the story came out or I turned it in. I don't remember now. And I also don't remember. It wasn't a very popular celebrity, but someone who's like a celebrity doctor. And her son bought Xanax over Snapchat and took it and fucking died. Overdosed. So don't, I don't know. Don't just like anything that's white and powdery in general, especially these days. Mm -hmm. Just test your fucking shit. Whatever. No judgment. White and sometimes white and powdery things are super fun yeah. and like not gonna kill you. But like right, whatever, right. you know, just drug test your shit right now. Also, um, some of the people I spoke to at Dance Safe told me that the ketamine supply on in the West, mm-hmm. like in the Western United States, has fentanyl in it is like not clean. And by a clean is a gen- general term. Yeah. It's like you know what is clean. It's like nothing's <laughs> fucking clean. <laughs> um, 
and especially in New York too. And it's in the cocaine supply. It's like, you know, so you just have to be fucking careful about what you're doing. And just like, it's not that difficult. It is actually kind of difficult to drug test your shit because it's like there's directions and you have to follow the directions. It's not just like easy steps one two three it can be if you know how to do it but Mm -hmm. it's also kind of like you have to follow the directions on how to do it and you have to use a little bit of the drugs you have you know to to test and sometimes i don't know sometimes it needs a little bit more sometimes you need to do more than one test so like a lot for that Mm -hmm. if that makes sense maybe get a little bit more so that you can test it you know enough to know be responsible is what you're saying be a responsible consumer That's my, that is my whole shtick. It's like, I fucking love drugs. Drugs are great. And everybody is on drugs. Like if people think that they are not on drugs, you're not actually looking at yourself. If you drink, if you smoke weed, Mm -hmm. if you drink coffee, Mm -hmm. if you have wine, Mm -hmm. if you are on any medication, if you like sugar, Mm -hmm. you know, all of, all of it, all of it, everybody is on something. If you're on something a little bit more intense, you know, just be smart about how you do it responsible partying like fucking rage whatever but like be smart about it i love that thank you for sharing that thank uh, you for saying that I feel so seriously about it. Also, yeah like- do drugs and be a fucking smart person like you like you don't have to it's not about drugs don't make you a loady <laughs> you know Lodi. they don't make you a loady <laughs> yeah my mom uses that word <laughs> i've never heard that term before but i immediately knew what you meant i was like that's yeah. hilarious yeah Wow, 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 wow. Yeah, powerful stuff. Test your drugs, kids. Be totally. responsible. Just, 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 just do it. Yeah. Weed, mushrooms. I mean, you know, obviously be careful if you're doing them. If you, you know, make sure that your mental health is in the right space. You don't have any pre-existing conditions, you know. But if you're all good there, then like go for it. You don't really have to test them too much. The beauty of, of homegrown. It's just, yeah, from the soil, from the earth from the earth yeah you you really don't have to worry too much about it although pesticides and things like that yeah if you're buying off the illicit market or the traditional market um yeah then uh you have to be a little more careful you might as well just grow your own at that point so what would you say are like the top three cannabis stories or developments that you're excited about that you think we should all know about that you want to share with our listeners? So I think that there are a couple, uh, there are a couple things. One is pertaining to actually the hemp and CBD market. Uh, USPS is going to potentially implement restrictions on CBD and hemp at least vapes in terms of delivering them. It's going to keep it like USPS may completely stop delivering because they're investigating and really, I guess, like assessing whether or not the law keeps them or if they can keep it basically illegal. USPS is basically trying to keep it illegal, even though it was legalized in 2018 from the farm bill. Yeah. So it's really weird. It just, it doesn't have hemp and CBD do not have as much freedom as, say, tomatoes or, say, corn or, you know, something like that. So trading it and sending it through the mail isn't the same. So there's still a stigma, even though hemp is legal. That's, I mean, that is going to disrupt a lot of business plans. The USPS is also trying to determine whether or not other CBD and hemp products apply to that potential restriction. Yeah, they're just going to really regulate the shit out of it, and it's going to re- probably be very expensive for those businesses to keep going, you know, which is a bummer. 
Um, number two. Um, I've actually got another one about hemp. Uh, <laughs> it's in- so interesting. Um, the feds actually just put money into a business that does hemp bricks. What? Yeah, and to kind of like study them and to kind of see how that works, which is actually great. I hate the feds. <laughs> you know, no one likes them. All their decisions, I mean, are kind of, uh, you know, manipulative in some way, why they're putting their money places, including, you know, into hemp as well. But we need alternative options for how we build things, you know, like we're so wasteful and so we create so much pollution. And if we can do something that's greener and better, which is like hemp, creating things with hemp cement, that makes way more sense. That would be an opportunity for us to create less greenhouse gas emissions, I guess. Yeah, hemp bricks. I know. I know. I don't know why we don't create, I don't know why we don't make everything out of hemp, honestly. Like paper plates, utensils, like gas, like for our cars, fuel, hemp fuel. You can make, I I hear that you can make that from hemp. So if we had like hemp powered cars, that would change, I mean, that would change literally everything. That would be so wild. Like biofuel. Another thing that's happening is that there have been three polls recently that state that more than like 80% of Americans are down for federal legalization. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. I'm it's somewhere around 80%. The my figure is not totally accurate. I'm a little again, I I need my computer and I don't have it. <laughs> and I'm and I'm stoned. <laughs> but but yeah, the it's definitely the majority and there have been three polls that have said that that it's like over 3 quarters of Americans are f- fucking ready. <laughs> That's amazing. What? Okay. I know. <laughs> so high. Um, and the wine. So how did you end up at Mary Jane? You're an editor there. That's how you and I met. I think I submitted some work or something and you were extremely supportive. I remember that. And your email was super detailed and I was just like wow this girl really like read my whole thing and I yeah I really appreciated that uh because I'm sure you're super busy and you didn't have to do that so what what has that experience been like first I want to say thank you that means a lot um it means a lot to me to work closely and very supportively with my writers that's like one thing that I like to bring into the world of media because I don't think that a lot of editors do that because it's very hard it's not their fault it's just so there's so much work and there's so many emails and it's just such a stressful job you know so it's hard to be like that I'm definitely not trying to be like oh and I do it blah 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 I struggle in (laughs) other areas of my job a lot (laughs) like it's yeah I struggle for sure it's a hard it's a hard job but that's one area that I choose to be very I put a lot of energy towards because how else are the writers going to do it? I'm definitely a, a writer's editor, if that makes sense, yeah. because I, I am a writer. I'm not really an editor. I can edit, but I'm a writer for sure. The experience of Mary Jane has been awesome. They've really taken care of me through the pandemic. So, you know, shout out to them. It's definitely been like this whole thing, you know, the relationships you have with people now are like ride or die, (laughs) you know, it's like, and it's like that at work. It's like, fuck, like we've really, (laughs) we've been through it. You know, it's like, it's really intense and it's really wild. So there's that element, you know, kind of at play too. So it's been an adventure to say the least. It's been a ride. Um, but yeah, Mary Jane, I uh, was at High Times beforehand. Oh. I was the news editor there, but only for a brief stint. It just, I don't know, it just didn't work out. 
that just didn't work out. But um, yeah, from there I went to Mary Jane, thanks to my good friend, Zach Sokol, who was the managing editor there. And I came in as the uh, associate editor. And uh, now it's just me. Now I'm manning the fort there. I'm, uh, you know, associate editor, managing editor, editor in chief, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. It's all the same these days. <laughs> Yeah, I'm doing that. It's very difficult. I do have help. I have a lot of help from freelancers. They help me out a lot. Um, uh, yeah, I have some some freelancers kind of help with editing too. So, you know, I have had a lot of support in that regard as of lately. And that's so, so, so helpful. I've learned a great deal from having my position there and like what kind of editor I want to be, what kind of person I want to be like in, in my professional career. Yeah, and just like trying my hardest to create conscious media so that there's at least a little bit of realness out in this mass consumption world. I don't know. It's still hard. It's still really hard to even do that because that's not really how media works. It's just like churn and burn, churn and burn, churn and burn. And it's so hard to like pay attention to the details in churn and burn. But that's my goal is just like creating stuff that people can be like, okay, at least this is like... The content in this is real. Well, speaking of conscious media, you also host a podcast called Erased. It is an environmental news podcast. I listened to the first episodes and we were talking about this before we started recording. I genuinely felt like I walked away learning something, learning multiple things, I should say, in an area that... I'm extremely unfamiliar. I'm not well-versed as far as like environmentalism goes. I don't know what's happening. And so to be able to walk away and be like, oh, loved it. How has that been for you? Oh, man, it has been so refreshing as a journalist to like a journalist who works isolated. You know, like I'm the only one at Mary Jane right now. It has been so nice (laughs) to like collaborate with people who are very passionate about their industries, you know, and what they do. And I'm so unbelievably grateful to be working with people so knowledgeable because it's been such a learning experience for me too. One that has been so rewarding already, you know, and just kind of prepping for all of this and all the things we've gone through just to get this damn thing started. You know, (laughs) it's so hard to like, get something fucking started. Yeah, just it feels so good to finally have something going and something that I care so deeply about. Yeah. Like uh, at OC Weekly, where I first started, um, so I interned there and then I interned there in 2011. Then I got a full-time staff gig there as a staff writer in 2016. One of the things that I gravitated towards in my beats and in my coverage was the environment and the environment in Orange County. And that really tipped me off on that I actually am very passionate about that. And why I feel like I could help make other people maybe passionate about it too, because we don't pay attention to it. We don't have a connection towards it. And that's what I hope to do is create a connection to the environment through the news in that sense. And yeah, it's been such a learning experience and having the background, even just the tiniest background that I have in reporting on it locally, and then being able to report on it with two people who are so knowledgeable about the environment. I mean, they're giving me a space to rise to the occasion. And I love that. And it's such a learning, a learning space for me, you know, and so I'm very excited about it. I love reporting on it. And I'm grateful to be doing it. It's yeah. yeah. And I feel like it's so relatable, and relative to cannabis, and psychedelics, because you know, people who smoke weed tend to also, at least 
like the environment. They like pretty sunsets. They like the trees. You know, they like plants. Like, that's kind of the thing. It's like when you said, like, connection with the environment, it's like, yeah, we focus a lot on our connection with nature and just making time for ourselves to be in nature because we know we get so much from that. But are we giving back? Are we, you know, also... Yeah, are we caring about it on the larger scale? And a lot of the times it feels really daunting to think about because it's like, I can't control Doritos knocking down trees in Brazil. Like, that's my mindset, at least. Like, I can't. Although we are the majority. If we all decided, like, I'm going to stop buying Doritos, there might be a change. So, yeah, so it's cool to, to hear essentially, like, my peers breaking it down in a digestible manner. And yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. It is fun. It's really fun. Um, And that's exactly what we want to do. We want to break it down into a digestible format, like the environmental news as it pertains to climate change, which everything in the environment, every environmental story is a climate change story (laughs) in some capacity like it is. There's the connection there. All of them are. It's crazy, which is what I'm realizing now. That's what we want to do. Just make it digestible so that people can understand. Because it's not in the mainstream. Environmental news is not in the mainstream, really. So we're hoping to do that. We're hoping to bring that. Unless it's Leonardo DiCaprio, then people are going to talk about it and see it. Which God bless, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Just out of curiosity, how long have you been with Mary Jane? As of April 1st, I've been there two years. My third 420 with them. (gasps) Woo! How was your 420? It was good. Oh my God. I socialized so hard. I almost died. What did you do? <laughs> oh my God. I just, so Mary Jane had a party yeah. and I attended and it was nice. So many great people were there. I saw all the people I really wanted to see. I said hi to people. It was great seeing everyone. Um, just interacting with people was such an, an exhilarating experience. I was like on level 10 excited. Even when I got home, I was so exhausted afterwards. I was like, whoa, I need to like not socialize so hard. I need practice again. I'm like, I like don't have the same like social conditioning. And I mean that by like, I can only socialize with like either small groups, I feel like, or in tiny amounts I need to like microdose my way to like a macro dose of socializing like I feel so like whoa that was crazy I totally feel that I mean I was like that before I was both like that before though I was like you know I need to regroup yeah realign myself for sure uh so I would love to know your best piece of advice to those starting out in the cannabis industry in a more creative uh field in a more creative aspect of cannabis i would say just follow the products and follow the um follow the products that you like the most so uh follow like if you like joints if you like pre-rolls like follow that a little bit and kind of see what culture exists around it and see see wherever your vibe is like follow whatever you like like follow whatever is good to you if you like dabs like explore that like explore what worlds kind of exist around these different types of cannabis, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, I would say that go to the events. Just go. You don't have to talk to anybody. <laughs> Just go um, and explore and see 
uh, what you like, what there is, um, you know, what kind of cultures maybe exist around, like who's selling these things, you know, just kind of get a vibe for what everything is and start deciding like what you like and what you don't. And if there is something that could become your passion, you know, or something like that, um, you know, find your people and stick with them. How did you find your people in cannabis? That's such a good question. It, I mean, it all started at OC Weekly. That's how I started kind of meeting people and mingling with them. I don't know. I like, I have a hard time fully working <laughs> with people for better or for worse who like kind of aren't my people, you know, and I have, a, I have a hard time and I can do it for a little, but it's never sustained, honestly. And I don't know. It's definitely, I guess, to my detriment, like not being able to just like put no. on a face, I guess, but like. I just can't. I can't do it. And so luckily, I've kind of I like I feel like I've gravitated towards people. They've kind of gravitated towards me, you know, and it's just kind of been that way. And there are some people who I've been like in touch with who I love so much, like through cannabis, like through work, and like, we just kind of gravitated towards each other. And yeah, it's I feel really blessed that that situation has played out for me because I don't know if it's the same for everybody. I'm not sure. But you got to find your people. And I feel like trusting your intuition on who's like gravitating towards you and who you click who you like you know mentally and emotionally click with yeah don't force anything it's never worth it especially if you're going in with some alternative motive ulterior motive like no 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 i feel like it's just not that's a lot of it happens within the cannabis space i don't know i'm not one of the cool kids that like maneuvers throughout that um but i think for the most part yeah i would agree cannabis just organically brought people into my orbit and like we all kind of yeah like cross paths that way yeah i think that's kind of how it is and how it works you know what i mean like you go towards the people who are also kind of similar to you you know and you are who you surround yourself with i used to hate that saying and if you don't want to hear that because I used to always be like well I'm my own person but it is so true I don't know I am also my own person it's, it's like energy it, that's exactly what it is it's it's a, it's definitely energy and like if you keep good people around you you're even better mm-hmm. you can still be a good person with I guess bad people around you but you're just gonna be miserable mm-hmm. and you're gonna be like prompted with situations that are so shitty yeah you know if you're around like shitty people which I feel like happens a lot to people who are light workers and do carry a lot of light and then it attracts it attracts the the mosquitoes um the energy suckers but ooh, wait energies we were talking about astrology (laughs) off mic I just remembered you know stuff and I'm constantly out here fucking quoting Cosmic Rx because I'm obsessed and I believe in astrology. I believe in this ancient knowledge essentially of the planets and how we do all orbit within each other's space and and it affects one another and the planets are these masses of energy. If you and I put out energy, holy shit. So I'm curious, what got you into astrology? What got me into astrology? So I've been I've been into astrology for a long time. 
I've been constantly learning about it just because I have actually found it to be so incredibly accurate and also such an incredible tool. That is what it is. Astrology is a tool if you know how to use it that way. And it's weird because as somebody who exists myself, I I exist in a world of facts. Like that is my world in journalism. Like it's like, what is real? What is not? What is real? What is not? And like having to decipher between the bullshit and what's actually real. And also like what the numbers are and like what thing, what is, what happened, you know, like what is the actual thing? I like so many journalists would probably think this is so silly and stupid of me to say, but there is a way to use astrology where you're almost doing the same thing where you're looking at one plus one equals two. And it sometimes is exactly that where it's almost like it's like this plus this equals this situation or this kind of energy. And you can use it that way. And that is what is also such a trip to me about it that it's like, there's actually some weird logical formulation that actually kind of works out in a lot of ways it check and and like when you know it deeply or deeper I'm not even saying that I know it deeply there's so much I don't know (laughs) so much I don't know it's so vast and um there are ways that you can use it that's very much like this plus this equals this and that is what has kept me in it (laughs) the furthest long as somebody who also exists in a world of facts and also like I have to be, you know, and like, I can't get caught up in, I don't know, I can't, I can barely get caught up in what the nuances are of facts, like that existed around the facts in order for the facts to exist. Like, I can't get caught up in that, even though that means a lot to me as a person. Yeah, so astrology is fascinating. And I got into it actually through social media, like looking at the social, that's like when social media uh, astrology became a thing like yeah. back then and that's when I started getting into it and then I started kind of looking at my sun sign astrology with like my crushes or my boyfriends like sun sign astrology and then from there I learned how to like cast a chart and I had no idea what that meant and like what even that looked like and I couldn't even read it I just knew that like my moon was in Libra <laughs> exploring that and what that means and then seeing how accurate it was like for me and also for other people I was like whoa And it's also taught me one of the like tangible skills that I've actually gained from astrology is being able to understand communication styles differently, like that are different than mine and being able to like try and work with what they're saying and trying to understand it better from like different perspectives based on like how their mercury sign is if that makes sense based on my mercury sign so it's kind of like everyone's communication style is different like how can we figure out like if i know that your mercury is in a incompatible sign with mine how can i try to understand you better now that i know a little bit about how you communicate that's so interesting so okay so me as an aquarius my mercury is an Aquarius. my son's an aquarius and my mercury's an aquarius oh she's excited i love aquarius I love Aquarians, dude. Hell yeah. So how would you navigate that? Your Mercury is an Aquarius? Yeah. Yeah. So Mercury in Aquarius is somebody who also speaks very uh, in big terms and like sees the broad terms. They see the broadness of things. Um, They're able to see the big picture is I guess what I'm saying. But they're also very oriented towards um, 
towards the humanitarian like aspects of life and so your communication styles also do too and that also means like very connective like you're also very able to understand and communicate forwardly and in like a very leadership kind of way you're able to lead people with your words and you're able to kind of move them like groups you're able to kind of deal with groups and talk to groups and you are in your best sense like with the group and that's also how your mind is. So how you communicate your Mercury sign is how you communicate is a example of how you think too. And so they're very, yeah, very reflective of each other. So yeah, you're more concerned with like the bigger things and also going to be, be more communicative in kind of like a rebellious way. Like you're not going to just like take anything lying down you're for sure gonna stand up for yourself if it's not right Mm -hmm. and um you're you're gonna fucking say it and you're not gonna hold it back and you don't care if it hurts anybody's feelings you can probably be very blunt you know and like you're just like whatever it's the fucking truth you know yeah yeah also ruled by saturn so there are Mm. rules that you like to abide by because saturn is the planet of rules so Saturn is the ori- like original kind of ancient ruler of Aquarius. Ooh. Yeah. So in modern astrology, I think it's Uranus. It's Uranus yeah. yeah. And um, in ancient astrology, it's Saturn. Mm-hmm. And Saturn is a planet of rules, but it deals with rules differently than like Capricorn per se, who's like really concerned about the fucking rules and the structures of the rules mm-hmm. and is like very rigid. My mom. Is she a Capricorn? Yeah. Ooh. yeah but but saturn or but uh, aquarius is also concerned with the rules but in a different way how to like break the rules kind of but like still concerned with the rules like you know what the rules are and we're kind of just you're more about like reforming the rules maybe making some new rules Mm -hmm. and that's also kind of in your communication style too yeah i like to break the rules i like to make people feel a little uncomfortable too it's fun um there's yeah there it's like a rebel yeah a rebel without a clause kind of shockwaves for yeah (laughs) i love it so i'm uh wow it's so great yeah the birth chart i feel like anyone who ever questions astrology i'm always like well have you had your birth chart done because once you do it's like how can you even deny it i know no i know my boyfriend is that my boyfriend is like very skeptical of astrology obviously he's a cancer (laughs) he's a cancer yeah um and he's very skeptical of it but then I've, like, used the planets to, like, figure him out as, like, a person. Yeah. And I've told him that. I'm like, that is honestly how we're still dating. <laughs> because I'm, like, I have an underst- I have a better understanding of, like, where your motive is and, like, how you're doing things versus just taking sometimes what you say on face, like, at face value, which, like, sometimes what you say, you don't even know, but it comes off like a fucking D-bag. <laughs> but, like... Not even. He's actually very sweet. But like, you know, there are some things, you know, some things that people say and you're like, what the fuck? You know, <laughs> all the time. It's For like, sure. well, when you actually have the conversation, you're like, oh, wait, no, that's not what I meant at all. Like totally. what I meant was X, Y and Z. But it's hard to you can't control how the receiver is going to receive it. Absolutely. So, yeah, sometimes the way that he communicates or just like the emotion kind of behind it, even sometimes it can go even as yeah just the emotion behind it because his mercury is in cancer so he speaks like his emotions basically which is interesting very different well 
I also speak my emotions, but in a different way. I'm a Sagittarius. Mercury and Sagittarius, that's a sign that's in its detriment. So actually people who have Mercury and Sagittarius actually have kind of a hard time communicating sometimes, which I for sure do. I struggle with communicating. It happens in my writing. Sometimes it takes me a little bit longer to be able to like really say what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. But then once it's there, I'm like, oh, boom. Yeah. Got it. (laughs) Yeah, writing helps actually a lot kind of clear the like chaos that's in my head for sure uh Sagittarius is a very chaotic sign so I definitely experience that organization is not my strong suit but I have to be organized for work it's something that I've learned it's like a learned skill not something that comes like very naturally to me you know also if you saw my car you'd be like you are not organized (laughs) for not cleanliness cleanliness has like always been there but you know the organization and everything like things will be clean but messy like Yeah, Sagittarius. (laughs) Communication (laughs) style. I think that one way that learning astrology has also helped me is to learn that, like, Sagittarius communication style is often geared towards, like, exaggeration, but to be kind of funny and to, like, get the point across. But I have to be careful with that, you know, and I realize that that's one of the things, and I'm like, oh, that's one of those things that I for sure do, but I have to be, like, on it. Because also because of my work. I don't want to get called out. (laughs) Well, first things first, I don't need to see your car to know you're incredibly organized because the amount of content that you guys churn out daily at Mary Jane, like there's no other fucking way that you'd be doing it if not through a very organized schedule and manner. And I highly encourage anyone who hasn't done their birth chart to do it. You could do it for free online. It takes two seconds. You're going to be mesmerized. Uh, I want to move into our next segment, which is the re-up, and we're just going to do some rapid-fire questions, okay, okay. cannabis-related. All right. Well, she's, <laughs> she's got a whole movement going on. Uh, your favorite word for cannabis? Grass. Oh, nice. <laughs> I love grass. We haven't had that one. Uh, <laughs> your favorite stoner movie of all time? Smiley face. Yeah. Yeah, dude. That's my favorite one. So good. It is so good. Your favorite music to listen to when you get high? God. That's the hardest question. Oh my God. I don't even know what to say. Um, I really enjoy listening to LCD Sound System when I'm high. I love listening to LCD Sound System when I'm high. Not all the time. I don't want to burn them out. I really love them, though. But yeah. but yeah, when I'm high, I love that. Um, Anything really groovy. I love funky music. I like Latin jazz, too. Ooh. Yeah. I like going places yeah. with the music. <laughs> the dopest smoke sesh you've had so far. Oh, my God. I mean, this one? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, gosh. I don't know if I would consider it a smoke sesh. But Snoop one time let me puff off his joint. He gave me two hits off his joint once, and I was the highest I've ever been. So it was kind of like a smoke sesh, but I, like, tapped out immediately. Dude, he smokes the strongest weed I've ever smoked in my whole entire life. (laughs) Fuck, that's awesome. There was one time where I was, like, trying to be Wiz Khalifa's personal assistant. I got as far as a phone interview, so it doesn't say much. But, yeah, I was trying to be super cool about it. But could you imagine? What a job. Uh, If heaven exists, what strain would be on your top shelf? Orange sherbet. Delicious. Love it. 
You've been so great, by the way. Very generous, very giving. We're going to move into our last segment, which is time to call your plug. And basically, you're going to let our audience know any social media handles that you want them to follow. Plug anything that you're working on that you want people to check out. Cool. She's pulling out her phone. (laughs) So... Hold on, everyone. Um, well, first, I would say if you're not following Mary Jane, definitely follow Mary Jane uh, on Instagram. That's where we kind of pop off daily. That's like our most where we're most engaged, I would say. Um, so, yeah, check us out there. If you're not, we do giveaways and all kinds of fun stuff like that. Also, my other favorite magazine is uh, Double Blind Magazine. So follow Double Blind uh, on social media um who else should you follow 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 me follow yeah. <laughs> i'm uh you can find me at mary stardust and uh my name is spelled with three y's in my handle so mary m-a-r-r-y-m-a-r-y-y-y <laughs> stardust as in ziggy stardust yes my baby <laughs> and um yeah who else should you follow i mean don't follow the drug dealers. Don't let them have it. <laughs> don't let them have it. They just want you to follow them so bad. Just don't let them, don't do it. <laughs> Who else? Uh, oh, you should follow the, if you're in Los Angeles. Actually, if you're outside of Los Angeles too, you should follow the Land Magazine. They do local journalism here. Mm. Yeah, and also, uh, yeah, just pay for um, pay for your local newspaper if you can. If you can support them in any way, do it a good message and then uh oh yeah also listen to my podcast erased yeah listen to my podcast erased and learn about the environment um and help us make that a more popular thing thank you so much for being here thank you so much for having me this is a great podcast oh so much fun you're a great interviewer thank you so much that means a lot she's a real journalist y'all thank you for listening to another episode of that bud tender podcast Follow me at The Stone Journalist. Follow the show at That Budtender Podcast. Like, share, subscribe, and keep getting high, my babies. Bye.